Hello and welcome back. I'm Taylor Nolan. And I'm Kit Bender. And you are listening to Let's Talk About It. Uh, We've been reading your reviews on iTunes and are loving the feedback you guys are giving us. So incredibly thankful for your support so we can continue doing this. This week, we, you know, we're going to continue to cover The Bachelor week after week and are going to kind of have like an overarching topic to help kind of frame the episode and help us take a little bit of a deeper look into the wonderful components of The Bachelor. This week was episode two, which... Brought a lot to the table, wouldn't you say? I think it did. They went, I mean, two one-on-one dates and a really giant group date. I think they were on purpose set up this episode to bring a lot out of people really fast. Yeah, I was not expecting there to be two one-on-one dates. Yeah. But they like to just throw whatever they can at us. But honestly, the first one-on-one date didn't really feel like a real date. It worked. She seemed to really enjoy it. Yeah, I mean, I think when you watch these, you also have to keep in mind that, like, it's a television show. Like, yes, they are real relationships that are developing, but also, you know, it's a fun reality TV show to watch. So we definitely have some things to comment on that happened in the episode, but are also going to kind of take a peek into some introverted versus extroverted socializing. And I'm going to share some of my journal from being on the show again. We got some feedback that you guys really enjoyed that last week. So I'm going to share a little bit more. And boy, is it weird reflecting back on that time. (laughs) Oh, I know. Because like, yeah, if it comes across to us viewers that there's a lot going on in that first week and it's condensed down to two hours, I imagine behind the scenes there's there's just even more going on in the brains and in the mouths. A hundred percent. There's so yeah. much that happens that doesn't make it to air. And we, we get like a real behind the scenes because we get your, your diary thoughts. Yeah, my little diary. <laughs> but Can't wait. before we get to my diary... The thing that stuck out to me the most this episode was, I mean, a few things. Time and different, like, past traumas that come up for women when they're on the show and how that gets brought up and how it's processed also. So starting with time, what stands out about this episode for you in regards to time? Time is always something on The Bachelor that is so important. You know, it's something you always hear girls talking about like, oh, I need to get my time or I haven't gotten my time. When am I going to get my time? And when you think about that in the real world, like, yeah, the time that you spend with people, especially when you're trying to develop a romantic relationship is really critical. It's very crucial. It's like the number one commodity on the show though. Like that is Mm -hmm. the only way you can progress is if you can make a connection. And the only way you can make a connection is to get time. And the only way you can get time is to compete in some way with uh, 30 other people Mm -hmm. for, for a finite number of minutes. Exactly. And then there's so much pressure and anxiety built up to that, that sometimes you didn't get the actual quality of time that you would have liked. So then you're then fighting for a certain quantity of time, hoping that you are going to get some quality time. It's so hard because then you're also trying to manage, you know, this different social dynamics as well, because it's not just you and this guy that you're dating. You know, it's not just you guys scheduling a time that you guys are going to get together and go out on a date. It's okay. Well, I want to talk to him, but this girl also wants to talk to him. And this girl also hasn't got a chance to talk to him. And this girl hasn't seen him all week. Like oftentimes the women are trying to consider one another as well. And there's a fine line between like, I'm going to be respectful of everyone else here that is in this 
experience with me, but I also need to go after what I came here for. And I don't want to be sitting here wasting my time. You know, I need to actually make a connection to make it feel like being here is worthwhile. But it's always really interesting to me because oftentimes you'll you'll get the women who are trying to be very considerate of other people in terms of making their decisions as to how they go about getting their time. And those are the, are the women that I think are, you know, perhaps more extroverted who are, you know, considering their outside world more in making their decisions. And like we think about extroverted versus introverted in terms of being outgoing or being shy. And that's actually not the case. Not not what the words were intended to mean by Carl Jung or Jung, however you want, however you want to pronounce it, uh, when he developed the term for personality preference. Uh, and so... When we look at some of the girls who are perhaps like a little bit more introverted, we think like, oh, well, maybe they're a little bit more shy, so they're not seeking their time for him. But that could also just be a difference in their decision-making skills. They could still be pretty extroverted, quote unquote, in terms of how outgoing they are and you know their ability to socialize. But they could also be making their decisions from a different standpoint. You know, like being introverted or extroverted is on a continuum. You're not like always 100% extroverted or 100% introverted in how you perceive your world. Right. We actually got a, a letter about this where someone wrote in and asked, is there a difference between being extroverted and being outgoing? Is there a difference between being introverted and being shy? A lot of people consider these the same. And I think there's uh, a really important, important point to make there uh, because they are not synonymous terms, but at the same time, if someone is or if someone is really shy, they often are, are then introverted. If someone is very mm-hmm. outgoing, they're often extroverted. But just because someone is extroverted doesn't mean they're automatically going to be outgoing. Mm-hmm. And just because someone is introverted doesn't mean they're necessarily going to be shy. Yeah, because really all that that means is how they are perceiving their world, how they're taking in information, how they are, you know, perceiving things and where their attention is focused and their awareness of things. Is it more in their outer world, which would be extroversion, or more focused on their inner world and their inner workings and and what's going on internally? So the popularized, popularized term and the original definition don't always align with each other. It's been seen through a lot of different lenses over the years, but mm-hmm. um, I think our, our personality is a really, really important component of interacting in general, but I think in this kind of confined bachelor setting, uh, our, our personalities are pushed to our, kind of pushed to the extremes oh, yeah. of what your preferences are in defining how mm-hmm. you're going to act. Um, because you can't you can't sit back for very long and you know and think too hard about what the best thing to do is. There, there comes a point where you have to just you know assert from the most genuine place of your personality you can, and that comes out I think in a lot of different ways. And and that's where like when you look at different personality tendencies, you have to keep in mind that they are just that that they are tendencies because you could be put in some kind of situation like The Bachelor where the environment and the conditions are so unlike anything you've ever been a part of. Like last week we kind of talked about, you know, just kind of how different that environment was for me to be in. And that's where you really have to take into consideration that who you are in your normal everyday life may not always be who shows up 
on The Bachelor. <laughs> uh, from there, we're going to get into, and we'll talk about more of this. We'll talk more about this later, but we'll get kind of into this idea of an ambivert or someone that uh, intentionally exists kind of in between this introversion and extroversion, which I think a lot of us do. Yeah. And so having a broad understanding of kind of the, the sides of this spectrum, the introversion side and the extroversion side, is good. But I think, you know, most of us... Um, well, all of us are in some way right in the middle, but I think a lot more of us than not identify with a broader place right in the middle of that spectrum where the place that we're acting from is very much situationally based. Absolutely. And that's where I think when we go back to like episode two of humanitis and all the boxes, you know, our personality, our behaviors, who we are is not an absolute defined in, you know, one phrase or one category, you know, everything is kind of on a spectrum and we have to allow ourselves the freedom to explore those different parts of ourselves and really practice kindness and acceptance for who we are, even when it feels like we might not know who we are in a different situation that, you know, you have to kind of come back and like reassure yourself and have that confidence and acceptance that like, it's not always going to be a black or white issue in terms of who you are, you know, how you're behaving, what you're thinking, what your personality is, that there's, there's some flexibility there. I think there's also strengths and weaknesses where mm-hmm. when we are operating within our initial preference, we're often operating there from a place of strength. But any, the, any strength that we have, there's also this, this counter where there's also a strength on the other side and there's a lot of advantages that we get from not only operating from our strength, like if we're naturally an introvert, really uh, taking the strengths of, of, of what that introversion does to our decision-making and to the way that we interact with the world and, and operate from there really proudly. The same with our extroversion. There's ways that we can use our extroversion to our advantage. But each one, if we go too extreme, uh, we'll end up feeling a little lopsided. So putting ourselves in situations where as extroverts we take a little more time to to spend with our own thoughts and as introverts mm-hmm. we sometimes take more time to put ourselves in situations where we're, we're being stimulated in different ways I think uh, makes, for, makes for us being more, more balanced, balanced overall, right? That was yeah. my exact word. Look at us finishing each other's sentence. <laughs> but no, I, I, I agree. And I think, you know, that is totally a challenge of being someone who is more introverted than extroverted at times that you're oftentimes seen as very reflective. And while that can be a strength that also can sometimes go into reflection overload where, you know, it becomes really exhausting being in your own head. I know I've definitely suffered from that. And I think one, one kind of piece that's sticking out to me, and I'm going to kind of loop this back to the episode tonight because it's really fresh on my mind. Uh, the, the amount of reflection it took for one of the girls, they had this group date and she was very triggered by the activity. They were doing bumper cars and it brought up this memory for her as a child where she was, you know, had a really just terrible, terrible traumatic situation with bumper cars. And, you know, for her to A, acknowledge that within herself and reflect on that, but then also to B, take the step to think out loud about it and, you know, practice kind of this more extroverted uh, preference and to have kind of this group conversation about it and to speak with the lead about it. I think 
took so much, not I think, I know this took so much courage and was really her being vulnerable with us. And I think that's, you know, those are special moments when someone opens up like that, that like should be very much uh, treated as kind of like a sacred space. And it was really kind of sad to see on social media, everyone like making fun of her for it. And even one of the girls on the show making fun of her for it and like kind of making a joke about it. Almost like on some level, she did it on purpose where she was... Yeah, that she did she it on purpose to get her, her attention. <laughs> right, and which is ridiculous. I don't think I, I don't think uh, having a breakdown yeah. on national television <laughs> is something that you're like, all right, you got to plan that out. Be like, okay, this yeah. is going to work out great. I'm going to cry yeah. and it's going to be... No, that's Like it that's was a very ridiculous. genuine reaction and you could see her trying to work through it and you could see her like, you know what? I'm going to put my big girl pants on and like I'm going to do this and... It just, it, it made me feel for her so hard because, you know, sure, bumper cars, it's silly and it's just supposed to be a fun activity. Everyone gets that. But people also have different kinds of experiences that they take in differently and that's okay. Like to a certain level, I think as humans, we need to kind of respect that about each other. We saw a little bit of this on the first one-on-one as well when he rolls up in his cool motorcycle and uh, the the girl that went on the date, she hops on, throws on the helmet. But then some of the other ones reflecting on it were like, uh, I actually had someone close Mm -hmm. to me that that got really hurt uh, on a motorcycle. I don't remember the exact situation. Yeah, I think it was her dad. But she would have approached, yeah, she would have approached that completely different and maybe walked up and been like, wait, I have to ride on this? And that, that could have been traumatic. Luckily, the person that got the date was like cool with motorcycles. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, and that's where it's it's it. You really just kind of have to take a step back and be like, okay, that was your experience. I mean, it's a little strange. It's not something I relate to, but like, okay. And and maybe you can take a step to you know ask about that and see more about it. But it just for this girl on the bumper car date, it was so like intense for her. And you could see that she was like trying very hard to overcome it and to just kind of push it away. And, you know, like I said, kind of put those big girl pants on, but it's like, you know, if we don't encourage and support people to talk about the things that trigger them and the, the, you know, perhaps hard memories that they have, like people aren't going to want to talk about it, you know, like, I can't imagine this girl watching this back and then seeing some of the other girls make fun of her about it and people online and then perhaps maybe feel really shameful and not ever be able to kind of express how she's feeling or feel more resistant or hesitant to speak up about things in the future. You know what I mean? Well, you really hope that doesn't happen, right? It might occur to be funny to you at first, but not to then also knowingly on TV make fun of that person for it. I just feel like that just crosses a line. Well, because we all have very different triggers. We also saw a situation in this episode where uh, on the other one-on-one date had um, and, and was open about the fact that she was not very close to her family mm-hmm. growing up. And then she goes on this date and gets to actually be in his hometown and meet his family. And that, I think poked it some some stuff deep down in her uh, yeah. where it's a, obviously it's a desire of hers but it's something that she's not had and so it's right there and yeah and that's it's one of the beautiful things about the show but also one of the really stressful and you know uh difficult things about the show is that it will definitely bring up 
any kind of things you haven't really processed through, any kind of trigger moments, you better bet that that will come up when you're on the show. And it's an opportunity to actually explore that and to help process that. Because another thing to keep in mind, like on that date, when she's talking about family, she's had an if not one hour long interview, at least multiple interviews about this issue and about how she's going to talk to him about it and about what it means for her and really analyzing it from every issue to where all of that is actually time where she's reflecting and processing all of that for her. So it's a, it's an opportunity and same with the bumper car thing, you know, like that was an opportunity for her to kind of push through that struggle and come out stronger on the other end. And, you know, she did it and that's great, but it also could have been something that she totally wasn't ready for. And, you know, I think we've seen that on the show in the past where like certain issues will come up and people just aren't ready to deal with it yet. Well, I think this is also reflective of the way that we exist in the real world. Uh, sometimes we go mm-hmm. get ourselves into a situation and, and I mean, I've, I've been in these situations where maybe I go on a first date with someone and I'm like, oh, that's going to pull up this, this, this into me yeah. and maybe I'm not ready for it. And, and so life will always, whenever there's those, those things that like that, that next on the agenda to work on. Uh, the universe will just come and just provide those opportunities. Just say, poke, poke, poke. Are you ready to? You ready to do this? And mm-hmm. we have a choice sometimes where, where we get to uh, say, nope, not not yet. Yeah. Or yeah, okay, I'll do this. But then sometimes, and this is where a lot of uh, we can have traumatic situations. We get pushed over an edge. Yeah. And something that feels outside of our control is then saying, nope, you're going to work on this now. And uh, mm-hmm. There's a real moment of truth of character there, but um, that also, you know, is is one of the be- most beautiful uh, parts of the growth that kind of that breaking process, because that's when that's when the real the real life begins to then push forth. It's kind of cool. Yeah, that's when like the real work of you know self development and you know personal growth starts. And like you said, it, it is a, it is totally a choice. And like you said, we can say no, but oftentimes when we turn that away, it will just keep coming back. And eventually these things that are triggering us or that are coming up for us in like an uncomfortable way will be something we eventually have to deal with and gain some kind of closure on. And why I think it's so important to talk about this is because those issues will keep coming up and and we can't actually process those until we do talk about it. And that's why it really irked me that there was this kind of like traumatic triggering moment for this girl on the date. And I'm like, ah, she could watch this and then like never want to talk about that again or like any or some other situation that like someone might find silly and then not actually... You know, if you get beat down on it, then it might be something that you're like, you know what, actually, I don't know. It doesn't feel safe. You know, I'm scared to talk about this kind of stuff. Like that's, that's why I think it is so important for us to have that openness and to allow people the ear or the shoulder, but mainly the ear (laughs) to actually talk about things that are triggering them and things that are coming up. And Well, because she had that experience on the show, which happened a few months ago, and it brought up all this stuff and she got to talk about it and she got to cry about it. And then now a few months later, she gets to watch it. And so exactly what you were saying, the, the hope is... It's coming back up has, though too then. 
That's also it's it coming, coming back, back up. up with also like the input of, you know, hundreds of thousands of people. <laughs> right. <laughs> which is great. And, <laughs> which is really and the just magic great. Of, of editing, which is trying to tell a, a story. And so, you know, mm-hmm. you, you talked, like you said, you, she had hours worth of interviews yeah. and we saw a few brief seconds of it. But that's where, this is where you hope that especially when it's coming back up a second time uh, that she has a network around her of people that instead of this being uh, an opportunity for them to, to judge her, that they use this as an opportunity to say, Ooh, that's, that's intense and you deserve our undivided support and love through it all. And learning to be that for other people is as important as learning to, to go through it yourself. So I think generally speaking, you know, I can't speak for all of the girls on the show, but, you know, from my experience, I found myself perceiving things and having a more preference to focus on my external world of coming from a place of more extroversion than introversion. Uh, You know, again, there's a balance, but when you're on those group dates, I mean, it was almost kind of like flip flopping back and forth between like when I'm not on a date and I was in the mansion, it was like, I'm totally you know, kind of introverted. I'm in my own head. I'm, you know, really focusing on my inner workings and what I'm experiencing and processing that and reflecting on that. But then when we're on a group date, it's like I could barely even take a second to like focus on my inner thoughts until I was actually in an ITM. And before even going into an interview, there's so much going on around you and you're so hyper aware of all the dynamics, at least for me, that my... My, my personality preference becomes extroversion over introversion in that kind of setting. So naturally, I, I, I mostly identify as an introvert. I've been more on that side of the, the spectrum, uh, which is strange that I have a, a job as a performer. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but you also, you also identify primarily as an introvert? Yeah. Uh, I think it's important to observe that you are being your genuine self both when you are away from everybody and introverted and in your own head and processing things by, by thinking them through, uh, maybe away from everybody, you're being just as genuine there as you are when you flip a switch mm-hmm. and say, okay, now I'm going to access this extroverted part of my personality and I'm going to observe differently and I'm going to interact differently and I'm going to respond differently. You're, you're being your genuine self both those times even though you're, you're kind of really pulling from two different sides of the spectrum. And I think that's, that's an important thing to be able to observe in other people, that they can be genuinely uh, lean both ways depending on the situation, but also in, our, in yourself and know where that balance is of how much you can give before you get drained and how much uh, time you need to spend alone before you get depressed, however, yes. <laughs> however those balances work <laughs> Recognizing like, the strengths and the challenges to these different kind of you know, four dichotomies that the Myers-Briggs personality assessment brings us uh, is definitely very helpful. <laughs> Being aware of you know, when maybe you need to take a second and exercise that extroversion muscle instead of that introversion muscle. Neither one on the spectrum, extroversion or introversion, or when we get into the other, uh, personality types, you know, sensing or intuition. Neither one of, neither one on either end is right or wrong, and it's you are completely still being your authentic self in either way. And that, that's again, that's part of 
creating your own box and exercising all of that. Like before I went on the show and I took my I took my Myers Briggs assessment in undergrad, I was an INFJ. So I was introverted, prefer- preferably. And mm-hmm. when I just now took the 16 personality assessment, I came up as ENFJ. And typically you don't see the personality types change over time. It is occasional when there's been like a trauma or a significant life-changing event that the personality can kind of shift. But typically we tend to be pretty stable. So for me, the only thing I could really think of was, you know, in some ways going on the show was a little traumatic for me. So but but also changed me in many different ways. It was definitely a a, a significant life event. It <laughs> changed my life in many ways. So I could see where, you know, maybe there was a transition from being more ex from being more introverted to being more extroverted. But I think that the experience has also allowed me to exercise a different muscle. That's where having that open-mindedness and non-judgment viewpoint of yourself in terms of accepting, allowing yourself to exercise these different parts of your box and creating your box and exploring these different parts of yourself of being kind to yourself when, you know, you do kind of change. This is something, though, that I saw in you happen before you even went on The Bachelor, that whole spring and summer. Yeah. You talked about this uh, last episode or the episode before, uh, how you were making very intentional choices through that time. That's one of the reasons that we got to know each other is because mm-hmm. every time I turned around, you were trying to get out on someone's boat or to a party or to a get-together or a meet any anything you could to get yourself in front of people or around people to where mm-hmm. you could exercise this extroversion muscle that you knew you needed to balance because you were moving into a new place um, and trying to build up a friend group. And I can speak from a lot of experience. <laughs> Seattle's a really tough place to do that. No really way. Seattle place. freeze is not a thing, Kit. It's a thing. No it, way. I, I, it's, it's so much a thing, it's ridiculous. And you kind of <laughs> tackled it head on, which is amazing. Um, I did. I was like, I'm going to go out and make friends with everyone. Like, I want to have such a tight-knit group of people here. I was like, I want to create my chosen family here. I want to have, you know, my solid group of friends that I'm going to, like, carry with me throughout the rest of my life. So that was a, that was a thing that you were doing intentionally, and then it just it, it manifested into a very um, a visible part of the mm-hmm. journey when you actually took that onto the show. Um, but that, that examination into your introversion and extroverted version tendencies was mm-hmm. something that, um, that you, you were working on even before the show. Yeah. And it actually even like came to a point where I don't know if I shared the story with you or not, but so, you know, I knew I was like, okay, I'm going to be going on the show. I'm going to be on these group dates with like, you know, 15 other girls at times. And like, How am I going to feel in that environment? So (laughs) literally I went, uh, you'll remember who I'm talking about probably. I'm not going to use his name, but we were kind of talking and it was definitely one of those things where like I was pretty open about my interest in him and he was kind of like on and off about his interest in me. And we went, (laughs) he invited me out on this boat for Seafair. And Seafair is basically like a yacht week in Seattle that happens. And... I was like, okay, like that'd be really fun. But I was like, hold on. I was like, I'm going to be going out 
for Seafair on a yacht with this guy I'm kind of interested in and a bunch of other athletes. And it was pretty clear that it was like, he even asked for like photos of my girlfriends that I was going to bring to make sure they were like hot girls. So I was like, okay, (laughs) this is going to be one of those things. And I knew like at that point I was like, this isn't a dude I'm really interested in. He's just really hot. But I was like, you know, he's a good friend. And also like, this would be a very interesting experiment for me to go on this boat and see how I interact with these other girls and see how, you know, he and I interact. And it it was very strange. Everyone, a lot of the girls were even worse than what like people make fun of on The Bachelor. Uh, Girls were just throwing themselves at these guys and very much immediately looking at each other as competition. Like, I was greeted so harshly by some of these girls. And then there were a few that were so welcoming and we like immediately hit it off. And like two of those girls that were on the boat are like still my close friends to this day. But that was like a really awkward situation I put myself in intentionally being like, let's see how I do. And the fact that I was able to come out of that with two really good girlfriends made me feel kind of positive going on the show that like, you know, I'm going to be able to have some like positive interaction with these girls. And, you know, I think I'll feel comfortable. That must have been interesting compared to your first group date. Yeah, I definitely like compared the two and I actually wrote that was look at you. That was actually one of the uh, excerpts that I was pulling from my journal to reflect on. So, I'll share that with you. Day 2 in the mansion. I'm feeling out of place. I'm on the first group date today, which kind of makes me nervous because this is really happening already. And I just kind of have to jump in and put my big girl pants on. I think I'm starting to feel like I stick out in this group of girls. I'm not super high energy and I'm not incredibly excited. We'll see how it goes. I I felt confident in our connection last night and I hope I continue to. I need to make sure I continue to be my authentic self and show that in the time I do get. The interview I had this morning kind of made me feel uncomfortable. I don't want to be asked about other girls and I don't want to feel pressured internally or externally to act or think a certain way. I'm unique and different and I'm confident in that. I kind of like me, even though me is a little different. I'm also really excited I get to drive. (laughs) So I got to drive in the car to the date <laughs> and I was you really were, you were excited about that even re-watching it you were like ah oh, then I get to drive it was like the highlight of the episode for you. <laughs> yeah <laughs> because again you're like stuck in this house and it's you're cut off from everything and like driving was such a normal thing to me that I was like oh my god I get to drive yes but <laughs> it's so weird to look back and read this because again like you, it's tricky with the social dynamic of like starting to compare and seeing the different personalities start to come out and like who you're being asked questions about, who the girls are talking about and then time, you know, I said, I need to make sure that I continue to be my authentic self and show that in the time I do get. That's how like important the time was, you know, like make sure you take advantage of that and make sure that that's quality, quality in conversation, quality in like whatever activity or or thing you're going to be doing. It's just, it's weird to like see the parallels now. So you felt yourself leaning into that introversion, extroversion dynamic within yourself within those first few days as you were trying to uh, Mm -hmm. take the time to, to process, know who you were and then project that. Absolutely. And in a 
part that I was like rereading and, you know, looking over that I didn't share, but I, I spoke very briefly about like feeling really close to some of the girls and, you know, being aware of the different dynamics that were starting to come up with different girl groups and kind of who was, you know, getting on everyone's nerves and, and all of that. And that kind of caused me to turn, you know, on my introversion hat, exercise my, you know, introvertedness and really reflect on like how I was potentially coming off and making sure that I didn't compare that in a negative way that I could compare what this girl did or what this girl said or how, how she walked away from her time with the lead and reflect on mine as well and still say, you know what? Neither one is wrong. Neither one is bad. They're just different. And I need to be confident in mine and confident in who I am and like stand by my story and what my experience is. It reminds me of something that Susan Cain wrote, um, who she wrote the book, Quiet Power. She said, our lives are shaped as profoundly by personality as by gender or race. And the single most important aspect of personality is where we fall on the introvert-extrovert spectrum. Yeah, it it is totally a spectrum. And it was really interesting because as we were kind of doing some research for our social media account on Instagram, uh, it's at let's talk about it underscore podcast. I really struggled to actually find quotes or, or reflective things for extroverts. Oh, I had the same thing. I was like, what, what is happening here? And, and there was some quality stuff on, on ambiverts, which we'll get into in a second, but I just, I thought that was so strange. And I was like, you know, neither one of these is a good thing or a bad thing. And, and a lot of the like quotes and stuff about introverts were, you know, kind of like that there are these shy, weird people. And it's like, no, it's just, it's just a spectrum of preference as to how you view your world, as to the information and, you know, thing, and how you perceive things. I think the reason that there are so many more quotes and so much more writing and expression about introversion, I think it's because if we're really speaking broadly, about two-thirds of the population is... Uh, leans more towards extroversion and about a third leans more towards introversion. Mm-hmm. So there's built into that a little bit of a... That like introverts are like the black sheep. The black sheep or at least the more understood, the more misunderstood. misunderstood. Mm-hmm. Right. And then already built into that, there's a little bit of sometimes shyness, but also uh, you're not as talkative sometimes mm-hmm. if you're all way over on the introverted side. And so the only thing you can do is think and then write because an extrovert <laughs> doesn't feel the need as much to be like, this is what it's like to be an extrovert because we kind of live in an extroverted world. Yeah. And so out and about, we're expected to, to have our extroverted uh, dial turned up. Mm-hmm. That's just kind of normal society. So I don't think they feel as much a need to... <laughs> mm-hmm. No, I, that's probably totally right. To, to be understood. Yeah. But I, I did find that same thing. I was like, I've got 12 great quotes on introversion <laughs> and one, one on extroversion that I was like, this makes sense. And it wasn't even a great quote. It was yeah. just a thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, and when I was thinking about the two of these two, when we were doing some of that research for the social media account, I kind of also came to realize like how we talk about how they're a spectrum, like one of the other topics that we've covered so far on our, in our first episode was emotional intelligence. And that is also kind of based on a spectrum. You know, you're not emotionally intelligent or you're not. And 
to kind of have some higher level of emotional intelligence, it kind of requires that you exercise both your extrovertism and your introvertism. Like I was saying before, depending on where we fall on the scale is going to define our, it's going to show us our, our, our preference and also our position of strength, but real value comes when we push into that other side as well. And we, we, we become more overall well-rounded and I think it really shows up in our emotional intelligence when we learn to bridge that place between all the things that go on our, in our heads and what comes out of our mouth and do that in a way that's not overly caught in your head in a, in a vicious cycle that can lead to depression or anxiety and not just running at the mouth without considering what you're saying. I think finding a way to balance those two things is where we can find a great opportunity for growth. Yeah. And that's basically what an ambivert is, you know, and an ambivert is kind of in the, in the middle of the spectrum between introvert and extrovert. Exactly. And I, th- I think that's actually a really good sign that society is getting to a place where we all kind of realize that it's not as... It's well, not black and white. Whereas we're a society realizing that about a I lot mean, of I things. I mean, I am black like, and white, but you know. <laughs> you are black and white. That's a topic for no, a you, different episode. <laughs> You're you're a delightful mixture of the two, which is uh, often what we're talking about. Even here, is how you have two things, and, and our job isn't isn't to be really rigid about am I this on this extreme or am I that on the other extreme, but where is that healthy place in the middle of the black and white? And so I think as a society, we're realizing this about all things. We're realizing this about gender. We're realizing this about politics. We're realizing that you can't just live on the extremes of things. We actually uh, need to mm-hmm. learn as a society to, to find that nice place in the middle where we're able to hold both, find the strengths of them. And so I think societally that we're moving towards ambivert being a thing that, that is identified by more and more people is showing that we are yeah. all collectively paying a little more attention to mm-hmm. the strengths and the weaknesses of both sides of the spectrum. Yeah, and we have this quote from Travis Bradbury who actually wrote Emotional Intelligence 2.0, which is the book in the airport that you see and tag me in every time on Twitter or on Instagram. <laughs> I'm aware that the book exists. It's a great book. We should all pick it up at the airport when we see it and <laughs> skim through while you wait for your flight. But <laughs> on this topic, he says... How social you are is largely driven by dopamine, the brain's feel-good hormone. We all have different levels of dopamine-fueled stimulation in the neocortex, the area of the brain that's responsible for higher mental functions such as language and conscious thought. Those who naturally have high levels of stimulation tend to be introverts. They try to avoid any extra social stimulation that may make them feel anxious or overwhelmed. Those with low levels of stimulation tend to be extroverts. Understimulation leaves extroverts feeling bored, so they seek social stimulation to feel good. Most people's levels of natural stimulation doesn't reach great extremes, though it does fluctuate. Sometimes you may feel the need to seek out stimulation, while other times you may avoid it. So I love his explanation because it makes a lot of sense, and it also paints a little bit of a a picture that helps me visualize it. I think of a, a knob that releases dopamine into the brain and we have a certain amount within the brain that that we're comfortable with that like rides within that zone of how much we need on a day-to-day basis and the threshold 
of what stimulates the opening of that valve to, that, to release all that dopamine on, in introverts is much lower. So they're more easily stimulated. They go into a situation and are more likely to get overwhelmed sooner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because because that their meter crosses over into the red, and that dopamine valve is opened all the way up, and then it's it's too much. While an extrovert has a higher tolerance, so it takes more stimulation from the external world in order to open up that valve. And so, just by default, because of the chemicals in their brain, uh, if if I think about these group dates and these cocktail parties mm-hmm. and all these different places where these girls and are just interacting even on the, the show. drama itself. And the drama itself, yeah. yeah some of just them, the conflict uh, are, and the confrontation that that could be, you know, something that's actually really stimulating. Exactly. And if they're just, you know, going around like, oh, this is fun, th- their dopamine levels drop and they're like, mm-hmm. no, I need stimulation. And so they, they start talking yeah. and they... And they're like, we you can, know what? Could... Where is that chick? <laughs> right. Like, where is she? Did she go steal time with him again? And and that, that's some of that's not just extroverted introversion. Some of that yeah. that is dealing a whole with bunch of other stuff. <laughs> a whole bunch of other things. But uh, whether they choose to express that and how they choose mm-hmm. to express it, uh, and what they end up looking for in order to kind of feel that they're comfortable inside that situation. Now, granted, I think they all feel a little uncomfortable. Yeah. But they're trying to, <laughs> you know, because it's yeah. a brand new thing. But they're trying to like figure out what is that balance of taking in stimulation and not being overwhelmed by it. Just being on the show itself, there is so much stimulation. I mean, so much is happening. So like naturally you kind of, you know, he he states in the quote that most people's levels of natural stimulation don't reach great extremes, but this is 100% an environment where the, you're seeing the extremes of that. Not to mention uh, there's a single focus and that single focus is the same for everyone. And so there's a yes. kind of a cumulative, commun- uh, <laughs> whatever the word that is. The energy of everyone is pushing it's off building, the energy of everyone else yeah. because they're all focused on the same thing. Yeah. <sighs> so how do we balance our introversion and our extroversion? I think the first step is to uh, have a little self-awareness of kind of where we are on that spectrum so that we're, we're operating from a place of intentionality. Just to help gain some understanding. Yeah. Here's, here's where we are at, or here's where I am. And, and because of that, I'm going to have certain strengths and I'm going to have certain weaknesses. And I, and I think that's a great place to start to... Yeah. Um, to move forward, a little bit of self-awareness. Yeah. So to do that, one thing you guys can do following this episode is go to 16personalities.com and take the assessment. It's about like 10 minutes long. And that can kind of give you a starting point to identify where you're at in the 16 different personalities. Kind of coming into this episode, we had a assumption that you guys kind of had some kind of understanding of the Myers-Briggs assessment. And if some of what we said today didn't really make much sense, then we highly suggest uh, going on their website and doing some research onto, you know, a little bit more of what those different personality types mean. But it's also something we'll continue to cover throughout the season because the social dynamics in this, you know... So much of the personality comes into play with that. So we'll continue to cover that. If you're an introvert that's wanting to lean a little bit more towards extroversion, you're wanting to, to uh, exercise that part of your personality a little more to balance yourself, then my recommendation is to do exactly what Taylor did, you know, 
two years ago and on purpose put yourself in situations where you can't rehearse all this, the conversations in your head and you don't, uh, you're not mentally prepared for every you know, situation and that mm-hmm. socially you're, you're pushing yourself into positions where your extroverted uh, tendencies need to be exercised. Even kind of a step from that, you know, to speak more to Carl Jung's uh, definition of, of extroversion that, you know, taking a step to take in a little bit more of your outer world, you know, if you're kind of a little bit more introverted and you're, uh, you know, thinking and reflecting in your head and kind of losing sight of what's going on around you to take a second to practice that, you know, mindfulness and, and to be present and really actually observe and perceive the different things that are actually in your outer world. And on the, the flip side of that actually is if uh, an extroverted person wants to develop some more of their introverted tendencies, uh, the, the direction that I would lean towards is creating, again, some kind of mindfulness practice where you on purpose allow yourself time for your own thoughts mm-hmm. to where your stimulation is, you don't have to get it from external sources, but you can get more comfortable sitting with your own thoughts, whether that be yeah. meditating or just finding a way to be quiet a little bit. Perhaps it's journaling. Yeah, any, anything I think to allow a process of processing uh, <laughs> the thoughts without having to talk about them, just allowing yourself to think about them and to journal about them uh, and, and to create a little mental space. So an introvert needs to create a little more space where uh, they're around things that stimulate them from external sources and an extrovert sometimes needs to get to a place of quietness where they're stimulated from their internal sources inside their brain. So Yeah, to just kind of practice both both ends of that kind of dichotomy within yourself and, you know, also that kind of helps you develop more of a of a wholeness about yourself, but also remembering to practice kindness with yourself when you are you know, practicing those things because it's not always an easy thing to stop and sit with our inner thoughts. And so I think it's very, very important to, you know, if you are more extroverted and you're going to try to practice a little bit more of that inner focus, that you come from that with, from a place of openness, non-judgment and just acceptance of yourself. So when you take the test and do whatever research you do, you should let us know where you end up on that scale and how that is playing out in your day-to-day life. What's that teaching you? Yeah. We would love to hear back from you guys. Feel free to leave us a review or rate us on iTunes. We check that. You can also send us an email at ask.letstalkaboutit at gmail.com. You can send us letters there with situations you're struggling with. You can send us stuff for topics. You can just send us kind of follow-up stuff if you'd like to see more done on a certain episode. Uh, You guys can also reach out to us on Instagram at letstalkaboutit underscore podcast. And you can also find me on Instagram and Twitter at Tamoka. And you can find Kit on Instagram and Twitter at Kit Bender. And he really wants you to know that that's with two T's. Don't forget that other T. Kit Bender, two T's, guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of Let's Talk About It. We look forward to talking with you guys again next time. Thank you.